0: This is Scott Klazawski. You've landed at The Digital Optimist, a podcast that looks into the future of technology impacts on the world. Yeah, I see a brighter future coming, so jump into a few episodes and see if you agree. I know we're in the middle of the machine intelligence series of podcasts, but I had a request from a listener one of my speeches the other day, who said, hey, could you make a podcast out of the topic of this speech? And I promised him that I would. And I think the timing's really good. So we're going to take a timeout on the machine intelligence series, put one right in the middle. This podcast is all about resilience. So it's going to be the digital optimist's view on resilience. Of course, this uh, past year has been an interesting year to test out the concept of resilience. And uh, let's just define it. I hate using words without really defining what we're talking about. So resiliency is the process of adapting and accepting in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, and other sources of significant stress. So again, the process of adapting and accepting in the face of adversity. At the end of the day, maybe resiliency is the capacity to bounce back from whatever it is that we're facing, no matter what the crisis is. Everything that I'm gonna talk about when it comes to resilience, it applies to us as human beings. It also applies to organizations. So I want you to take it in both ways and I'll kind of go back and forth making comments about resilience from a personal uh, perspective and then resilience from the corporate perspective as well. Let's start here. What I think we have to be careful about is being successful but brittle, whether that's in life, that we are successful in life up until some tragedy happens and then we're completely broken or from a corporate level. Company's successful, it's making money, it's profitable. But some type of crisis or disaster comes along and the organization is just not able to withstand it. They're too brittle. And because they're brittle, the organization breaks. This concept of being too brittle, you can be successful and brittle. And what we want to do with resiliency is uh, stop that concept of being brittle Uh, We want to be able to withstand anything that happens to us, anything that comes along, because what comes along can be unpredictable, and we want to be able to bounce back. From a personal level, I think we also need to teach our kids and the young generations this concept. I know in our family, my wife and I have taught this to our kids, bad things are going to happen, and when bad things happen, you have to get up off the floor. It's okay to be sad, it's okay to mourn for a few days, but at some point, You have got to get up off the floor and go on with life. There's a lot to be said for teaching the young generation this so that people do not crumble when some tough time comes along. Now, why are we talking about resiliency? Uh, It isn't just because of what happened in 2020 and the fact that corporations and people needed to be extremely resilient to get through uh, the last year or so. It's also because the world going forward is a VUCA world, right? V-U-C-A. So if you're not familiar with that concept, VUCA stands for volatile, uncertain, complex or complicated and ambiguous. And this concept of a a VUCA environment uh, was developed by the military when the Pentagon was asked to come up with a, a paper and a vision as far as what was the future going to be like that we would need to have a military in. And they had a, a famous paper that was produced that talked about the fact that it is going to be a VUCA world. Now, this was back in the late 90s, and so obviously it was very prophetic because we certainly have moved into a VUCA world. And that's not something that happens for just a year. This is something that is an era. We're in an era that is volatile, volatile uncertain, complicated, and ambiguous. And that we need to be able to prosper in a VUCA world. Let me say that again. We need to be able to prosper in a VUCA world, whether that's us personally or whether that's our organizations that we lead. You cannot stop the world from being volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. That is too big of a job. So that means we have to adapt to it. And what I think is critical is to understand uh, that maybe our success in the future is highly dependent on our ability to survive and prosper during a VUCA environment. That's one thing that I want to throw out right away when we talk about resilience is why? Why do we need to, to really focus on resiliency as a, as a topic? It's because of the environment that we're going to be living in, building businesses in, working in, getting married in, raising kids in. Uh, This is what the environment is going to be for some years going forward into the future. So resilience, resiliency, is going to be a key skill that we're going to need to have. So I don't like just talking about a concept like resiliency without uh, providing some type of framework. I think it's a waste of time to say, hey, you got to be resilient, you got to be resilient. It's like saying you got to be healthy, you got to be healthy. Of course you do. The question is just how. How can we be healthy? And in this case, the question is, okay, how can we be resilient? All right, I'm going to look at this uh, from two different lenses. So I'm going to give you a framework. In the framework, the first five steps can be applied to an organization or can be applied to any person. And so we're going to go through these five steps. Then we're going to look at just the corporate view of how to be resilient. And so think of this as kind of a 10-step Framework for companies or a five step framework for human beings. Let's dive right in. Step one, if we're going to be resilient, is we have to be able to anticipate crisis or risk. We have to understand that crisis can happen, and we have to be able to be clear about those risks and what we might do to mitigate the risks. Instead of having rose-colored glasses on and thinking that life is never going to have a bad thing that happens or a company's never going to face some crisis, we anticipate, we know it's coming. It is a VUCA world, and so we're going to anticipate it, which means we're going to be better prepared for it than a lot of people will. Every day I wake up, I know that it is not guaranteed that I'm going to have a wonderful day. I know it is not guaranteed that I'm not going to have a terrible accident or somebody isn't going to die around me. Every day that nothing bad happens, I am grateful because I know the day will come when crisis will touch my life. It has many times in my years so far. I'm sure it will many times in the years that I have left. Again, this is a very good thing to teach young people, Anticipate crisis, you're going to have hard days. Organizations are going to have crisis that they're going to have to get through. So that's the first thing we need to do to be resilient. Know that hard times are coming. I love the Game of Thrones saying winter is coming, right? We have to understand winter is coming. Winter is always coming in some form. So anticipate crisis, number one. Number two, you have to be able to withstand the initial shock. So when a crisis happens, often it is shocking. Something happens to us quickly. We didn't expect it. It happens out of nowhere. One of the ladies that works for us found out she broke her leg yesterday in three places, and it was a very awkward, weird situation that happened that caused her to break her leg. Trust me, she did not wake up that morning thinking she was going to have a broken leg in three places and have to deal with that. Right, but she's got to get past the initial shock of it to be able to move on and heal and just have it be something that's in the rearview mirror. So first, we got to anticipate the crisis will happen. Second, when it happens, we have to be able to withstand the shock. It's the same thing organizationally. When the economy drops off the cliff, when a pandemic happens, if a building burns down, right? whatever the shock is, we have to be able to withstand it and be able to get our wits back around us quickly. Because number three is adapt quickly and willingly. So when a crisis happens, right? When something bad happens to us, it is a new world. The world has changed. It doesn't make a lot of sense to burn a lot of energy, uh, mourning what the old world was like, wishing that we could go back to the old days. The fact is, it is a new day. The world has changed. And so the faster we can adapt to the new reality, and again, the more willingly we can adapt, the faster we'll be able to, to move into more positive territory and a positive energy. The more we sit and say, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to me? Right? Or why is this happening to our company? Why is this happening to our company? You're burning energy that is not moving you in a good direction. Anticipate the crisis, withstand the initial shock, and then adapt quickly and willingly. Fourth, protect your weak spots. So when a crisis happens, it's going to amplify your weak spots. Whatever your weaknesses are, again, as an organization or a human being, those weaknesses now are going to be amplified. That they They are now what could trip you up. And so it's really good to understand your weak spots. For example, in an organization, if a weak spot is you don't have much financial bandwidth, And so if a crisis happens, you don't have two months of payroll in the bank, right? Then that weak spot that you're going to have is a financial resiliency weak spot. And so you're going to have to move very quickly to protect that if you know that there's going to be a financial situation for the organization. Or if you're a human being and you have a proclivity to become depressed or to be anxious and fearful, and you know that those are weaknesses that you have, when a crisis comes, It's better to acknowledge that those are weak spots and move to protect those. Find people who can help you. Make the adjustments so that those weak spots don't end up being the end of you or the end of your organization. All right. And the fifth and last of this first set of five, which apply to companies and people, survive the darkness. Survive. There's a lot to be said for just surviving, just making it through a crisis. Uh, I know that sounds obvious, but for a lot of people, when a crisis comes, they can't even imagine that they're going to survive it. They don't know how they're going to survive it. They panic, as opposed to just locking in and just saying, I will survive. I will get through this, whatever it takes. I will survive this, and I will wait until the sun comes out again. So, one, anticipate a crisis. Two, withstand the initial shock. Three, adapt quickly and willingly. Four, protect your weak spots. Five, survive. Set in, survive. All right, that's the first part of the framework for resiliency. Now, let's move on to just the corporate view. So in the corporate view, resiliency is a big word, and it's very general. And so we need to break resilience down into five different areas. So if we say, okay, what what does an organization need? Right? All of those things were very human, the five that I just listed, they were human and psychological strengths that allow you to get through a crisis. The five corporate look like this. Number 1, financial resilience. You've got to have financial resilience. You have to have planned in advance for the winter coming, and you have to have some bandwidth, some credit line, some ability to raise money, right? Or some money in the bank. You've got to bake in financial resilience so that when you're taking losses and you're going to run losses for months at a time, maybe a year or two at a time, you can withstand having financial negatives as far as uh, the money that you're making and still survive and hang around. So you always want to make sure that you can find financial resilience. And that's something you can plan for. All right, the second thing you got to plan for is team resilience, people resilience, right? How, are you, how can you be resilient in your personnel, right, and your personal resilience? So how do you teach your team how to be resilient? And how do you structure your org chart so that you can be resilient in a crisis? Maybe you have to let a third of your team go. How can you still function if you had to let a third of your team go? Uh, What kind of changes do you need to make in a crisis, right, from a people standpoint or a leadership or an organizational standpoint? So, you really have to look at the people side of things and figure out how can we make sure we have team resilience. So, financial resilience, then team resilience. The third is communicational resilience. So, how can you make sure that you can communicate well in a crisis? Oftentimes, in a crisis, your systems could be down Your people could be scattered. Uh, I have lived through a few crises where when it happened, uh, we couldn't even get a hold of some of our people to be able to talk to them. And so one of the things to think about is in a crisis, how do we create communicational resilience so that we have an ability to communicate with everybody multiple ways and we go to a different communication rhythm? When there is a crisis, maybe that's we talk more often, maybe it's we talk less often, right? But how can we have communicational resilience so that in a crisis, people are aware of what's going on and have all their questions answered? All right, the fourth area operational resilience. So, what can we do to make sure we continue to operate even in a crisis? Uh, In order for an organization to keep making money, it's got to operate, you have to open the doors. You have to work with customers. You have to continue to sell things or provide your services. If all of that stops during a crisis, then you have no way to make money and no way to help your customers. And there's nothing good about that. So we have done disaster recovery and business continuity for years, but it's really time to look at the 2.0 version of those and really look at, do we truly have operational resilience if we have a cybersecurity attack? Do we have operational resilience if we have a weather event? we planned those for years, but do we have operational resilience now when there is a pandemic, All right? We really have to look at crisis now much wider and say, how can we have operational resilience? And then finally, technological resilience. So how can we make sure that our technology is designed and built in a way that it's got resilience? Because we're depending on that technology more and more, not just to stay up and running, but to help us be able to continue to operate in a crisis. And I'm going to go over in some detail some areas of technological resilience that we need to have so you understand what I'm talking about. But again, just to review, on the corporate resilience side, we need financial resilience, has to be a plan for that. Team resilience, has to be a plan for that. Communicational resilience, we have to have given that thought. Operational resilience, how can we continue to operate and run regardless of the crisis? And then finally, technological resilience. What can we do with technology to make sure that we can do all five of the above? All right, so let's switch to technology. When I look at what technology can be, now is where we, now is where we get into the area of being optimistic. As you know, um, I, I absolutely believe that technology, although there are parts of it that, that can be bad, I generally believe that technology is good. So sure, we can become very dependent on technology, and then that can be a problem for us if the technology is taken away. Uh, No question. So from a resilience standpoint, there's a risk if we become highly dependent on technology that is not completely stable. But I am very optimistic that uh, the way that we can look at resilience is from a humology lens. So look at the, the integration of humans and technology to be able to get things done. So I really believe that you can design your digital systems so that they have a large amount of risk control built in and that the combination of your people and your digital systems can provide quite a bit of resilience. So let me just give you some examples of that. And I'm not trying to give you chapter and verse of how to build a resilient network, right? That's a design issue that would be a whole different podcast. I just want you to have some big general thoughts about how technology can play a role in resilience. So first of all, access to systems. What I mean by access is both our team members and our customers have access to our systems no matter what the crisis is. Now that takes some planning and takes some design and engineering. You have to really think through, well, what could cause downtime? And there's a lot of different things that could cause downtime. But one of the things we want to to do to get resilience in our technological systems is think about access. Under no circumstances do we want our technology, our core technology that our customers interface with or that our people interface with to go offline, or that the only way that that technology could be accessed is from the office. Because obviously, if that's the case, anything that would stop people from coming into the office an ice storm, a pandemic, a fire, or a terrorist event, anything that stops people from coming into the office would take away our operational resilience. So we need access to our systems from anywhere. Yes, if you're thinking right now, go cloud-based, obviously, yes, moving to the cloud's a good idea, but it doesn't necessarily have to be third-party cloud. It could be a private cloud. But I do like cloud configuration versus on-prem, because the problem with on-prem Uh, is if anything happens to the premises, right, then we don't have access to our systems. So that's the first thing is you really got to think about having resilience in the access to systems by your team and your customers. All right, number two, automating critical processes. The more you automate, the more resilient you're going to be. Because every time you automate something, you're taking out a human element. Now, as you know, I'm not a bigot for, you know, let's replace all human beings with technology. That isn't the message here. But the message is there are a lot of operational tasks that are highly redundant, uh, that really don't need a human being to play the role with that task. If we automate those tasks, then we become more resilient. Because, you know, even if we have a people problem in the crisis, in other words, people are distracted or people aren't available to work, the more our systems and our operation is automated, the, the better chance it is that it could continue to run with a skeleton crew, right? Uh, or a reduced staff. And so I like automation. Now, the benefits, of course, the side benefits are efficiency and cost savings and all the other things that come along with automation. But it's just something to think about. If you want to be highly resilient, then be highly automated. You know, if if you're the type of an organization who can run the whole organization with 20% of your team, uh, then in a crisis, there's a decent chance at least 20% of your team is going to be able to do the rest of the work that needs to be done versus the automation that's being done. So if you want to be resilient, look to automate at a higher level. Number three, third-party ecosystem. One of the things I I see that organizations don't do well is they don't really uh, get very thoughtful Uh, and disciplined about creating a third-party ecosystem. Vendors, contractors, advisors, people who can help them in a crisis. So too many times, organizations wait. Leaders wait until the crisis happens. Then they go try to find people that could help them. And it's too late at that point. If you think about a a cybersecurity crisis, when you have one, you don't want to be making calls trying to find vendors who might be able to help you. During the two critical days, you know, or the first critical 24 hours uh, that you're under the gun to come up with solutions, you want to have already thought, who are all the security firms, who are all the advisors that could help me if something happens uh, like a cybersecurity event? So this is something leaders could do to prepare much better to be resilient, is to develop a list of who are all the third parties that could help in various kinds of crises, you don't have to put them on retainer you don't have to pay them if you're a big organization you might do that if you're a smaller organization you just have to have them identified who would i reach out to if this situation happened and at least have those numbers down somewhere where you can reach out to those people quickly so build a third-party ecosystem that can help all right self-serve capabilities this goes along a little bit with access to systems But one of the things organizations learned quite a bit when they had an emergency work from home event uh, in 2020 was how powerful it was to have self-serve capabilities for your customers. Think about all the state organizations, like the unemployment departments, uh, or, or all the departments where somebody had to walk up to a counter to be able to do something with the state. Every situation where there was a walk up to the counter was gone. There were no people, no counter anymore. And so how did that state provide the services that they needed to provide? Well, the answer is, if they would have had self-serve capabilities online, they at least would have had another channel to continue to operate. Every organization today has to think about self-serve capabilities. Now, again, a lot like automation, there's a lot to like about self-serve. When you have clients and customers who are more than happy to self-serve, it lowers your costs and it improves your throughput. But definitely, if you want to be resilient, everything that you can do to allow a customer to self-serve their customer support, self-serve their own purchasing by using e-commerce, right? Self-serve anything that they can self-serve. And that's going to allow you to operate a lot better when a crisis happens. Use your technology to provide self-service capabilities. The last area in technology I'll talk about if you want resiliency is security specifically cybersecurity. It's using technology to be able to guard from a security crisis. This one I shouldn't even have to talk about a lot. Uh, You know, as you know, cybersecurity is getting to be more and more of a critical risk area. It is a crisis all on its own when it happens. And so when it comes to cybersecurity and technology, it's better to be proactive and avoid an event than to have to triage an event. And so if you want to be resilient, I would say two things. Be proactive. Do what you need to do to avoid having a security problem. However, if you do have a security problem, have a digital event response plan ready. Be ready. What we call DERPs, digital event response playbooks. Have a DERP ready so that you can at least contain the event uh, as fast and as well as you possibly can, because that's going to help you bounce back from a security event as opposed to it being a fatal event for the organization, right, or highly destructive to your revenue and your your customer reputation. All right, so again, access to systems, right? Just make sure you're resilient with the technology that gives you access to systems for customers and your people. Automate everything that you can automate. Proactively go out and build a third-party ecosystem of advisors, vendors, contractors, who you can reach out to if you have a crisis, Build as much self-serve capability as you can into what you're doing, and then be proactive about cybersecurity and make sure you have digital event response plans. Do all of that. And I'm very optimistic that technology becomes, instead of something that you worry about it going out and it becomes part of the crisis, it is your ace in the hole. It's your trump card to help you be resilient in an organization. But this takes a lot of planning and thinking. You have to think in terms of how do I use technology to help me be resilient and work on it for the next few years. Again, let's go back to the VUCA environment, a volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous. What I'm talking about doing when I give you this framework for resilience and tell you here are the personal psychological things, here's the corporate five, Here's the technology areas that can provide resilience. What I'm saying to you is, I want you to be built for VUCA. That's the way I want you to think about it, is we are built to be resilient during a VUCA environment. We don't look at VUCA as it's disruptive and we don't like it. I want you to convert over to it's VUCA and I like it. This is my world, this is my environment. We are built for this. Our organization can thrive in a VUCA world, or again, you personally or your family, that you can thrive in a volatile world, not just survive it. Because if it's going to be here, there's a big difference between thriving in this environment or just barely surviving it. In fact, the way that I look at resilience now and look at, at a volatile world is that you, you have to look at an attitude, right? Having an attitude for the spook environment. Uh, I love the, the phrase, you can't throw me to the wolves, they come when I call. I love that phrase, right? It, there's a spirit to that phrase, which is, hey, you can't throw me to the crisis and the crisis is going to end me. I come out of crisis better than my competitors, or I come out of a crisis better than I ever was. I don't like crisis. But every time I come out of a crisis, I am stronger because I survived it and I learned a few new tricks. Now, this takes a different type of leadership, right? It has to be a leadership attitude. You can't throw me to the wolves. that come when I call. VUCA is not something that I fear, the disruption. VUCA is something I can thrive in. And this is why I'm optimistic about how technology can, A, help you, with a VUCA environment, but also that it's very possible for us to be more resilient than any generation before us. We can learn how to be highly resilient in a VUCA world, that in the past, any kind of crisis was so unexpected, right, that it it was very difficult for everybody to recover from. Whereas going forward, we can expect the crisis to come, we couldn't have planned for it. We could have architected our systems. We could have built ourselves psychologically to be able to handle any crisis. So, like I said, I'm optimistic about what technology can do to help us be able to prosper in a VUCA environment. But you got to get in front of it. So there you go. There's a there's a podcast that uh, we had a request to do, and so uh, yes, it's in the middle of our series on machine intelligence. We will go back next episode and talk about machine learning and deep learning, get back into the concept of how machines are intelligent and what that's going to look like in the future and why I think that's a good thing. So for today, think about being resilient. Think about what you're teaching the people around you, your family, your organization about resilience. Let's make resilience a key skill because that way none of us have to fear a volatile world. All right, until next time, let's be a digital optimist. We don't need any digital pessimists out there. Thank you for listening and giving these ideas a chance. Let this be a two-way conversation and connect with me on Twitter at S. or on LinkedIn. I also write a blog that you can find at scottklososki.com. An added bonus is a library of thought-leading graphics you can download from the site. One more thing, please take a moment and race this podcast on whatever platform you use. Ideas are powerful change agents, and positive reviews will help spread the digital optimism.